posters, and monthly exhibits of original art. Open weekdays 10 to 5 or by appointment at 96 Main Street in Belfast, 338-6465 or thebelfastframer.com. Hey, this is Sister Mango. Join me on Wednesday, November 4th at noon. I'll be talking to singer Sean Murphy. Sean is sang with Meatloaf, Bob Seger, Eric Clapton, and was with Little Feet for a number of years. Be talking to Sean about life in the music biz, her new band, and her new CD. And after I speak with Sean, I'll be playing an hour of female blues and soul singers. Got some Aretha, some Etta, some Tina, some Janice. So join me. On the Wing, this coming Wednesday, November 4th, from 11 till 2, only on your community radio station. Support for WERU health-related programming comes from the Penobscot Bay Press, committed to providing community news and information, publishing three weekly newspapers, the Weekly Packet, Island Advantages, the Castine Patriot, the annual Bay Community Register, the Summer Seasonal Guide, and more. Also on the web at www.penobscotbaypress.com. The time is just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Healthy Options with host Andre Bella is up next. Good morning. This is Andre Bella for Healthy Options. Hope you're having a wonderful morning in Maine today. It certainly is a beautiful morning. Uh, This morning on Healthy Options, we're going to be talking about patient access to medical marijuana. Um, Last night, question five passed, and that question will be expanding the access for qualified patients to medical marijuana. And so we have um, a guest today. This is a call-in show, and at the half hour, uh, we will be asking you to call in with your questions. The number for that call-in number is 866-625-9378, and we will be giving you that number again several times during the show. So, if you think that you might qualify to use medical marijuana, be sure that you stay with us during this hour and listen to the show, call in with your questions. Today, we're going to be talking with Charles Wynant about medical marijuana. Uh, Charles is the founder and director of the Maine Medical Marijuana Resource Center, which is the main branch of the ASA, which is Americans for Safe Access. Um, He's a native of Maine, and 23 years ago, he was diagnosed with HIV-AIDS. He's been using medical marijuana for many years under the supervision of his doctor, Dr. Owen Pickus. Um, Welcome, Charles. Yes, thank you. Um, We want to start out this morning. um, If you would give our listeners a background of the history of medical marijuana in the state of Maine, and then we can move on to how the passing of Question 5 is going to affect the current laws regarding access. I'd be happy to. Uh, Well, back in 99, uh, actually it was signed into into law in 2000, I believe, the beginning of 2000, after the 99 vote. Um, Medical marijuana was approved 
by a uh, preponderance of uh, 61%, I think it was, um, that was approved by the voters of Maine uh, to allow medical qualified medical patients on with a recommendation from their doctor to use medical marijuana. Um, and this took approximately three, four years before that was passed for uh, of us working on it for it to pass. So I can say that it wasn't an easy task. However, the, the citizens of Maine are very compassionate and really care about their, their people around them. So, uh, but that was 10 years ago. Uh, since then, there hasn't been a lot going on with medical marijuana in the state other than the fact that, that the patients have an affirmative defense that if they have marijuana on them with a, with a recommendation from their physician, it's a, uh, it's a defense in court. It doesn't stop or didn't stop um, the police from arresting them or taking their medical marijuana. However, uh, that all changed yesterday. <laughs> yesterday when this vote taken to, uh, came into play, um, the new law has, has put in a lot of, um, a lot of new stuff uh, that helps patients in a number of different ways, and we can speak about that later. Right. So before question five was passed, um, what kind of access did patients have? They had no access, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the only problem with the law uh, currently, uh, not, not now, now. Uh, for 10 years, the, we, we said that patients could use medical marijuana with a re recommendation. However, to get access to medical marijuana, you had to buy it from the street, or you had to grow your own plants. So you had to break the law, basically, to get patient access. Absolutely. And you had to deal with the elements of the street, you know, which, which is crime and, and all of that stuff. And, and a sick person doesn't want to go downtown and buy pot, you know. And right. it, wasn't there also written in there that they could grow five or six pot plants yes. themselves? Um, if the, they... the old law, um, and I'm going to refer to the old law and the new law. The old law um, referred, uh, gave patients permission to grow six plants. Now, three of those were uh, only allowed to be flowering. The flowering plant is the, the plant that gives you the medication. Okay, mm -hmm. Three flowering plant is not a lot of medication for a patient. You have to have three huge plants in order to get any amount of marijuana from whatsoever from those three huge, huge and plants. And you have to be good at growing plants, and you have to time the flowering. Sounds a little difficult. It is very difficult. For a sick person mm -hmm. with, with AIDS or cancer or anything like that, I mean, they don't have the time to be tending to plants. Or some, some of them don't have the, the uh, area or the money to do it. I mean, it's not, it's not an inexpensive experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I first... Um, became interested in this uh, a while ago. My mom, who is 84, has severe lower back pain. She's had two hip replacements, and she has uh, part of her spine that is degenerating. And I suggested medical marijuana, and my mother just freaked out on me. Because she had pictures that the police would be coming in her house and yes. arresting her at 84 and throwing her in jail. That's what they want. And That's what the opposition wants. It, it, was, it was terrible because what followed that was what really broke my heart because my mom now is addicted to Oxycontin and several other um, really heavy-duty drugs. I hear that so much. It, it's sad. And it when it hits your own family and when you realize that there could be some other options, you really want to get wow. in there and make this patient... Um, access available and the reason why we want to do this show is to inform people 
what the laws are, how they've changed, and how they can get access. Yes. Yeah. So um, who, who is a qualified patient, and, and how do you, how do you, what's a qualified patient? Well, in the state of Maine right now today, as the law stands, the new law that just took into place, a qualified patient has to be somebody with a chronic debilitating disease or, or ailment, um, which has expanded um, because of the new law. However, they have to see a physician. The physician cannot prescribe. He must recommend um, the marijuana. And that has to be all documented. Um, that is a qualified patient mm -hmm. um, in now, the state of Maine. What are, what are some of the um, chronic debilitating diseases that would qualify a person for medical marijuana? Um, the old law was just a couple of them, a handful of them, AIDS, MS, um, the ones that we all hear about every day. Not every day, but more and more so now. Mm -hmm. uh, but the new law has has taken uh, MS, Crohn's disease, uh, glaucoma was in in the old law, but epilepsy um, and and pain, uh, which you explained from your mother. Um, yeah. That that is all now in the new law, which is fabulous. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also have a a part of the new law where the citizens of Maine can petition to the state of Maine within 120 days of this law passing to include any other ailment. Now, they, the state will have to approve it, of course, mm -hmm. but um, there's, a, there's a stipulation in there that we, that we can expand this to... to, right. so, to so this new law really expands access for patients. It certainly does, mm -hmm. yes. Um, now, if someone thinks that they might be a qualified patient, then what's, what's the next step for them? What do they need to do to find out? My suggestion to anybody calling me, and I get lots of calls, and I'll be getting a lot of calls today, mm -hmm. um, is to see your primary care physician. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the first step. You know? And I'm not saying to go into the doctor and say, I, I, I want to smoke pot. Um, the first thing you've got to go in there for is, is your ailment. Obviously, you have a chronic debilitating condition, um, and that's what you have to take care of first, and, and that's what we're trying to, to do is help you with that chronic debilitating condition. So talk to your doctor first is my suggestion, mm -hmm. and the doctor will, will go over your, your history, and, and that's the whole thing behind having a, a physician recommending this is that your doctor knows best, you know, and he will or will not, uh, one or the other, um, recommend medical marijuana. But you need to discuss it with your doctor. That's what I recommend. Now, I hope we also have some physicians listening to this show because I think that it has been an issue for them from their viewpoint um, about what it means for them to recommend medical marijuana for a person they feel is a qualified patient. So how, how do doctors view this? Well, uh, you know, and everybody keeps bringing in the, the federal guidelines now. Um, the federal has once again relaxed um, the fact that, that uh, they're not going to start uh, busting dispensaries in states that are legal, mm -hmm. as well as um, they, uh, in this new law, it protects doctors, and the old law did too, about uh, having their, di their license revoked for uh, recommending medical marijuana. So there is a protection in the law for physicians. Um, and, and the history proves itself. For 10 years, nobody's lost their license for recommending medical marijuana. Mm -hmm. And in California, and, and you'll hear this a lot, everybody keeps referring to California, um, but California, there's 
tons. There's 600 dispensaries in California and L.A. alone, okay? Um, so that's a lot of doctors recommending. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're all doing the right thing, and, I, you know, I really don't care what they're doing over there. Right. <laughs> well, and, and also that brings up, well, one thing before we leave the discussion of the doctors, um, I think you mentioned something to me that it's important for the uh, patient to be proactive. In other words, it may not be that when your doctor puts options on the table of what to do about your pain, that he or she would mention medical marijuana. So we need patients to be proactive and go in. Am I, do I have this right? And, absolutely. No, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and that's part of our job as an organization is to educate both the patients and the doctors as to the benefits of medical marijuana. I mean, we have tons and tons of evidence that this, this helps. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just a, a suggestion to patients. And a lot of them don't know that medical marijuana is even available for their treatment. Well, and that's really why we wanted to have this show. We wanted to have people have it on the table as a possible option. With any kind of medication, different people react different ways, and this might be something for you or might not be. And we just want to put the option on the table for people so that you will go speak to your doctors and see if this is a possibility of something that really could be a benefit to you. Um, Today on Healthy Options, we're speaking with Charles Wynut, and we're talking about patient access to medical marijuana. Um, At the half hour, this is a call-in show, and we will be opening up the phone lines. That number is 866-625-9378. So in about another 15 or 20 minutes, we will be opening those phone lines. Um, the, the main thrust of this program is uh, patient access to medical marijuana. So if you're a person or you know someone who might possibly be a qualified patient, we hope that you will listen to the show, uh, ask questions, and call in with your comments. Um, another area that of the law, that uh, this new law that I wanted to ask you about, is the dispensaries. Um, what are, what's that all about, and how will that be handled? Um, it's it's a, it's the main part of the law. It's everything, as far as I'm concerned. It's, yeah. it's the, it includes the access point for the patient. Okay, um, the dispensaries themselves will be uh, all highly regulated by the DHS, uh, Department of Health and Human Services, in the state of Maine. That's part of the law. They will be the ones running the program. They will be. Uh, you have to submit an application to them. Uh, to become a dispensary, and you have to pay a fee, which is $5,000. Plus, you have to do all your local stuff, too, with the municipalities as far as you know, zoning and all of that stuff. Um, but the dispensary itself is, is the access point for the patient. Um, it's gonna, you know, it can be in a, a number of different forms. It could be a little mom-and-pop shop somewhere. It could be you know, a, a large uh, operation. I don't see it being large in Maine, anyway. But uh, I envision uh, a couple of dispensaries, uh, you know, depending on how many patients we have to deal with. But uh, throughout, because Maine is so large, obviously, we're going to have different areas that we have to service. And uh, the dispensaries will serve that purpose where people can come in. And, you know, I envision it being a a number of different forms. It could be a coffee shop type of thing where people come in and, and it's a social environment. Or it could be run as a store, as a storefront, you know, similar to pharmacies. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we'll have to, reg- uh, the state will regulate uh, security and 
all of that stuff as well as the bookkeeping and all of that stuff to make sure everything's up to date and 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 uh, and, and following the law. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I read something about um, the marijuana would be grown in a secured facility. Yes, it's got to be in a locked facility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's part of the law. Uh, again, the state will come in and tell you specifically what you need to do. Um, all all your zoning ordinances must be in place. I mean, uh, health not health regulations, but uh, fire regulations and all of that stuff, because you're dealing with a business. You're dealing with public coming yeah. into your business. Uh-huh. Now, so, I also understood that uh, different from California, these dispensaries would be nonprofit organizations. Absolutely. Okay, that's explain that point. a little bit. That's a key point, because um, that's the problem with California's happening right now, because their law does not include, does not say you have to be a nonprofit to, in order to be a dispensary. In Maine, you must be a nonprofit in order to get a registration for a dispensary. Now, a nonprofit means that, and it doesn't mean you can't pay your employees because all employees must right. get paid. It just means that you can't profit off from this um, in, in any way. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you're going to pay people that are, are helping you to to maintain your business, as, as well as the growers and all of, and your suppliers and all of that stuff. So people can live often this law. It's not going to be something that's going to make people rich by any means. Yeah. yeah. You know? Um, so that's the whole purpose behind it being a nonprofit, is that we didn't want uh, entities from outside the state coming in here and setting up business, mm-hmm. because it would have been a, a circus. Mm-hmm. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. Any idea how many dispensaries, or is that uh, something that depends on how many people step forward with their five thousand dollars and yep. want to set something yep. up. You know, and there's a lot of you know. If you, and and I wanted to bring up that you can read this law online uh, by going to mainecommonsense.org. Uh, oh, can, good. You yeah. can read the entire law online, and it's very, very readable, and, and you can look at it. But yeah, it's going to be very much regulated. I'm sorry, I, I totally blanked out on your on your question that you just asked me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I just wondered about the you know the distribution in Maine. We have a lot of okay. kind of remote rural areas, and I and I wondered if access people in those more remote areas would have access. Oh, absolutely. You know, and and part of the law is that we can also deliver. Caregivers can deliver. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be a key point because we do have a lot of sick people that can't go out of their house. Right, and I think caregivers, that's a, a very interesting point from the standpoint of the legal aspects of it. Where do caregivers stand? Because we all want to help people that need medical marijuana, but we also don't want to get ourselves in a legal position mm. where we're possessing something and that's <laughs> against the law. You know, well, caregivers are protected under this law, and, uh, and that's a major part of the law is that if you are a board member of the organization as a dispensary or a caregiver, and you must be designated by the patient to be a caregiver. The patient, patient needs to designate one person as a caregiver. Mm-hmm. I, I think the law says you can have two. Um, but that person is protected under the law. If you're transporting for that patient, as long as you're within the law and your limits and all that stuff, you cannot get arrested, or you shouldn't be arrested, I should say. Okay. And what about from the, the caregiver's standpoint, uh, can they help out more than one patient? Uh, caregivers can have, um, let's see, caregivers can have five patients in this law. Okay. Okay. So yeah. all of this is regulated under this, 
this new law. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. They, yeah. They, we started out completely, believe me. Boy, <laughs> it's pretty amazing. Pretty, I just want to remind the listeners that this is Healthy Options, and today we're talking to Charles Wynett about patient access to medical marijuana, a particularly important issue considering that question five was passed yesterday. Uh, This is a call-in show. Another 10 minutes, we'll be opening up the phone lines, and the number is 866-625-9378. So if you think you might be a qualified patient or know somebody who uh, might possibly be, please do call in with your questions. Um, I have a couple more uh, questions about and I'm not sure how this works, but will there be a savings in cost to patients if they can use medical marijuana? For, I mean, what, what's the cost going to be? I mean, we know now on the black market, if you buy marijuana illegally, it can cost a lot. $600 for an ounce right now. Oh, so, um, you know, yeah. <laughs> envision that a sick person, you know, putting out $600 for their medication, okay? Yeah. And that's every, you know, that's $600 for an ounce. And an ounce, you know, to some people will last a week. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. But, yeah, that's one of the reasons why, why the nonprofit is in there, is that we don't want to profit off our patients by any means. Right. I mean, we are going to have this as, as minimal cost as possible for us just to hit the bottom line, to pay our employees, to pay the growers. And, you know, I envision that $600 going down to two fifty. Mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. So and, and that's still a lot of money, don't get me wrong. Right. But, you know, when you're talking about medication, and comparative-wise well, to the Marinol, which is the Exactly. Form, Talk about Marinol a little bit. Um, Marinol is the pill form of THC that, that is currently prescribed to patients for nausea and, and, and a number of other things, but mostly wasting and nausea. Uh, that pill itself, the, the generic form of Marinol, is selling right now um, at the pharmacies for $900 for 30 days of product. So is it, is it your belief that pharmaceutical companies would rather not see this happen? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Open oh, the yes. door. Go ahead. Take that one. Oh, yes. Yeah, the pharma- pharmaceutical companies do not like the idea of medical marijuana whatsoever because it's taken out of their pockets, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. You know, people would rather smoke the marijuana or ingest the marijuana, and we can talk about that in, at a different time. But, um, yeah, you know, the marijuana compared to the, and I'll tell you my sentiments exactly, is that I'm also prescribed on Marinol. And, and, I, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Now, my doctor knows he's prescribed both of those things to me. Not prescribed the marijuana, but prescribed the Marinol. He recommended the marijuana. However, I need to discuss with my doctor, okay, this is what I'm doing. He don't want me to ingest more than I need, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the fact of me, the whole purpose behind me taking either Marinol or marijuana is for the nausea and the wasting, Okay which means that when I take my pills in the morning, I take several pills in the morning, and they're very strong. I need to keep those yeah. pills down so, for them to work. So you're, you're taking your prescribed medication for AIDS, yeah. and you're using the medical marijuana to treat the side effects of some yeah, of those drugs. Yeah, to keep those pills down, because I have a very small frame, and most people with AIDS don't have a whole lot to them, mm-hmm. uh, uh, or cancer or any of those ailments. But, you know, in order for you to take these medications down and have them work, 
mm-hmm. you need to keep them down. Right. You know? And mm-hmm. the only way to do that is not take another pill for nausea, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. Which, which is what people are recommending. You know, there are pills out there for nausea. Yes, there are. However, it's a pill, okay? Mm-hmm. If, you're already, if your stomach is already upset at the time, that pill is going to come up with the rest of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, I hear you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So to ingest, and the way I do it, I, I smoke, okay? Mm-hmm. And I've smoked all my life, and it, it hasn't, you know, my lungs are very clear. And I'm not saying that that's the case with everybody. Mm-hmm. However, for me, it's worked. Mm-hmm. And in the morning, when I, when I smoke a little bit of pot, uh, you know, before I take my pills, it cut, settles my stomach so I can keep my pills down. I see, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so, so you're doing that before yeah. to get your body ready mm-hmm. for the, this very strong AIDS yeah. medication that you need to keep down. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Now, that brings up another subject, and that is other ways to ingest medical marijuana besides smoking. There are several. Um, and, uh, you know, there's tinctures, which is a liquid form of just pure THC, um, which you can put a drop under your mouth or whatever, or however you want to ingest it. You can also eat it in a brownie form, butter. There's so many, many, many different options that, that will be available at the dispensaries for these patients that cannot. And, I mean, there's a lot of people that can't smoke. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and we well, I'm also thinking of... Uh, you know, being able to be portable because if you're going to work, yeah. uh, you, you know, may need to take medication during the day yeah. and smoking might not be appropriate for various reasons. And, and, and the law states that you cannot drive and smoke. You cannot, right. you cannot smoke in public. You cannot yeah. smoke. I mean, it, it, there is a protector in there for employment purposes. But, I mean, the, an, an employer can say, no, I don't want you smoking in my building. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he can't fire you for it, but he can refuse you, you know, to smoke in the building. So, yeah, there's, you, there's a number of things that, that smoking does, gets in the way of. So you need to ingest it in other, other forms. And mm-hmm. there are several, several, several different other forms for it. Right. I think we also uh, were talking about some Sorry, issues that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that uh, people need to know about because that issue came up where someone was smoking medical marijuana and the landlord found out about it and tried to evict him and we need to get the word out that this cannot happen to you no you're protected as of yesterday there Mm -hmm. is in this new law a protector uh, against eviction Mm -hmm. you cannot evict somebody if they are a medical marijuana patient period Mm -hmm. you can't do it if they have a recommended physician's note and they are qualified uh, patients you can't evict them, mm-hmm. and, and that's that's key. That's very important because right. a, a number of our patients live on uh, housing, which is federal government. Well, right. yes, and, and that was another issue because I think prior to yesterday, and and I'm assuming you're saying that this has changed, that it was different for uh, if you lived in federal housing than it was if you lived in private housing. Yes, yes, and you know a, a landlord can be very. I mean, obviously, they got to follow the rules of the state, you know, mm-hmm. before they do anything else. Um, and you, there's a lot of uh, protection in place for evicting a, uh, anybody <laughs> out of your house, okay. you know. Okay. So we want the listeners to know that if you do qualify for medical marijuana, you cannot be uh, arrested, you cannot be evicted from your home, 
because of this use as long as you Not for the sole purpose of using medical marijuana. If there's other things going on, then that's a different story right, altogether. Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Well, we do want to remind everyone that in a few minutes we are going to be opening up the phone lines. This is a call-in show, and we are talking with Charles Wynett about patient access to medical marijuana and what the, how the new laws will uh, affect and increase that patient access. The number is 866-625-9378. So in about five minutes we'll be opening up those, those phone lines. Um, Wanted to ask you a couple of other things about the dispensaries. Um, so I'm assuming if someone has all their paperwork in order, they have their recommendation. For, does that have to be in a in a letter form, or yeah. how how does what does the doctor give the patient to take to the dispensary? Well, the doctor has to be careful because he cannot put a prescription. He can't put it on a prescription pad because that's federal, and that that will attach his license. His or her yeah. license. Yeah. Um, so ideally, uh, the doctor needs to put something on their letterhead saying that they have discussed medical marijuana, the benefits and, and whatnot, with their patients, and they recommend the usage of med- medical marijuana. That's all they need to put on that paper. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the records are going to be are all confidential, obviously, and that stays with the doctor and the patient. Okay, but they can't put it on a regular prescription pad because that uh, makes it a federal thing? They shouldn't. Okay. <laughs> how, many, uh, how many states now have medical marijuana laws? 13. Okay. Maybe 14. Okay. And of, and of those, how many of them have dispensaries? Uh, we are now number four. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, we have, uh, let's see, who have we got? We just got uh, Rhode Island, New Mexico, us, and California. Rhode Island, New Mexico, us, and California. Um, One other issue uh, I wanted to talk about, and that is if you are a qualified medical marijuana patient in the state of Maine, what happens if you go to another state where they don't have medical marijuana laws? That is what they call reciprocity. I can't even say the word. Reciprocity. Right. (laughs) That is when you use. Um, your qualifications in one state and, and you're visiting somebody in another state or something that has medical marijuana. Now, the state of Maine, this new law, has accepted reciprocity, which means that you can, if you're a qualified patient in another state that has medical marijuana law, you can bring that with you when you come to Maine. That is your defense. As long as you have that paperwork on you, or your card or whatever the, the ID that you choose to use, Okay. Then you protect it. So even if you're in another state, they can't arrest you. Well, that, now each state has their own reciprocity laws. Oh. Um, Maine has has chosen to put this in their law. Smart, smart that we are. That you know we have a lot of visitors. We have a lot of vacationers and and people mm-hmm. that have different states that they live in. You know, and if they come to Maine, they are you know if they're a qualified patient somewhere else, they can use it in the state of Maine. However, most states do not do that. Okay, so in other words, if you as a qualified patient go to Massachusetts, which apparently doesn't... No, Massachusetts not Then what happened? What, can you get arrested in Massachusetts? Oh, absolutely. Okay. You know, I can get so, arrested in California, for that matter, because I'm not a California resident. And you have to be a California resident to be a qualified patient there. Oh. <laughs> so that's kind, of, that's kind of limiting. I guess we can look forward to the day when we have some unified 
legislation on this because that makes it very difficult for patients to travel. Absolutely. And you're talking about airlines and and, and all of that stuff, you know. And they can stop you. I mean, right now, California is, is, and I keep mentioning California because they're the (laughs) testing ground. But there are airlines now that that, um, actually allow medical marijuana patients to fly with their medicine, Mm -hmm. uh, which is a huge Mm -hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. That's huge. <laughs> yeah, I think what gets dicey, certainly if, if I were a qualified patient, I, I'd be always wondering if I had dotted all the I's and crossed mm, all the T's yes, and do. was I <laughs> legal wherever I was going. That, that's, that's kind of a, a, a difficult thing to have over your head. Mm-hmm. So I, I suppose we're, we're in the middle of this process and, it's, and the access is getting better and better, but I suppose we're, we're still in the middle of the process. We are. And, and again, it's, it's up to the patients to educate themselves as to where they can yep. travel and where they can't. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, you're listening to Healthy Options. We're speaking with Charles Winant, and we're talking about patient access to medical marijuana. Uh, this is a call-in show, and after a short break, you'll be able to call in. The number is 866-625-9378. So we're going to take a very short break, and we will be right back. Thanks for listening. to Healthy Options. Uh, today we're talking with Charles Wynott from, he's the director of the Maine Marijuana, Medical Marijuana Research Center, and we've been talking about patient access to medical marijuana. This is a call-in show, and we are opening the phone lines now for calls. The number is 866-625-9378, and we have a caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. Hi, uh, my name is Chris Rulin. I'm calling to uh, just kind of touch in with the community and um, let them know that uh, there are people who are um, actively uh, organizing at this very moment to open uh, a dispensary in central Maine. Um, we're working very closely with um, the Berkeley Patient Group in California, which is um, by a lot of people's estimation to be um, the industry standard um, it's a very clean, organized uh, organization that works uh, with the community and has uh, a board which consists of community members. Um, and that board uh, will have members uh, from local clergy, um, law enforcement, district attorney's office, and uh, physicians. And, and so th- there are people um, working on this very hard uh, right now, and we'll, and we'll make this uh, a reality for the people who need this uh, medicine. 
Um, so I just wanted to touch base and uh, let the people know in the community that uh, we are working on it, and um, we're going to be looking to form some regulations and some uh, environmental policy in order to do this in a way that um, is very beneficial to the community because the last thing that we want to do is to try to revisit this a year from now when we've decided that we've done it wrong. So, so we're, we're incredibly grateful uh, to, to the people of Maine and to the people who brought this uh, legislation out. It was desperately needed. And, um, and, and so, I, you know, I think uh, a lot of the people that I've, I've been talking with, patients, um, are uh, extremely jubilant. Um, and uh, I think this is great things for the people of Maine. As far as, like, interstate and that sort of thing, you know, Massachusetts just uh, decriminalized also, and they have one of the more liberal decriminalization efforts. So when he said that you could be arrested in Maine, I, I mean in Massachusetts, that's actually not correct as I understand mm -hmm. it. Um, but, but having said that, you know, um, I think that what we need to concern ourselves mostly with is, is people of Maine, people who live in Maine, and, um, and then and try to use... Um, the experiences of other states in Colorado, Rhode Island, California, and, and use that as kind of a hindsight, design some really good um, regulations and sound uh, policies, and I think this is a, a tremendous thing for the people of Maine. And that's all I have to say. Thanks great, Chris. Thank, thank you, you very much. Bye -bye. Thank you very much. That was a great call, and yes, there are, there are a lot of people helping us out in the state of Maine um, to get this thing going, and, and we ourselves are, are hitting the ground running today. We have, I have a couple of meetings scheduled today, to uh, get down to the nitty-gritty as to how we're going to go about doing this. Great. You know, we haven't had to give your contact information yet, Charles, so uh, would you like to give that now? Sure. Uh, my main contact is, is through our webpage, which is asamain.org, and it's A-S-A-M-A-I-N-E dot O-R-G. That is our main website. Uh, it is new, so we're updating it every day. Um, we're we're going to have uh, a lot of new stuff on it, so check that. Uh, frequently, my email address is my name, Charles Wynott, spelled W-Y-N-O-T-T, at yahoo.com. And our phone number is 207-854-9272. And I, I will speak to anybody that wants to call and discuss the issue with me. Thank you. We have another caller on the line. Caller, go ahead. Hi. Um, I'm a medical um, marijuana patient in Maine, and I have two young children, minor children, I just wanted to let folks know, like, uh, if DHS does get involved in your life, kind of what happened to me and how it went for me. I, um, I was cooperative with them. Um, like I said, with two minor children, seven and eight, uh, they, and, and an ex-wife, they were bound to get involved at some point. Um, and they simply investigated, you know, my doctor's recommendation, my medical records. Um, they ended up coming to the house and investigating, um, checking plants, my home and everything. And when you're fully cooperative with them, they have no problem with this, is what, I, what my experience was. Um, and I just wanted to let other people out there know that, you know, as long as you're cooperative, as long as you have your paperwork in order and you're doing what you were supposed to be doing, you, they're not going to give you any trouble. Because I had heard some, <clears throat> some claims that, you know, if DHS was taking care of the, uh, you know, administrate or the, uh, the the process that they, they're the people that take children away and everything. I just wanted to let people know that fully cooperating 
only helps and only gives us a better name as patients. You know? I think that's, I think that's a good point. Thank you for calling with that you. comment because I have heard that issue come up. And Charles, maybe you want to comment on that? It is a very good point. And you know what? I'm so I'm so excited to hear that that was a good experience for him. Thank, um, you. Thank you for this, Joe. Absolutely. Have a good day. Absolutely. Thank you. you know, I, that, and that was before the law was passed. This new law does have the protector for the children in the home if you are a medical marijuana patient. Um, so, you know, that's another addition that, we, that this new law puts into place. It's a lot of protectors, um, and, and that's part of the scare tactics that the opposition tried to pull on us for this campaign is that we're going to allow marijuana around children. The only reason or... Uh, idea that children are going to be around marijuana is if there's a qualified patient there. And that, that has a, a lot to do with, and, and the DHS will know that because they're going to be running the program. They have to give out the patient ID cards. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a huge issue just in terms of any kind of medication because we certainly want everyone to be safe under all circumstances and I know you know this happened in in my own house uh, my father was visiting he was elderly he had medication and by accident one of his pills fell out and it was on the carpet mm -hmm. and my uh, two-year-old was crawling around on the floor uh, so so this issue of protecting uh, children is an issue for any kind of medication whatsoever this is not just a you know, medical marijuana. No, that's when good parenting comes into play. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And actually, sometimes I would think uh, medical marijuana would be safer than, you know, pills on the floor. Little yeah, kids well, take their candy you know, and pick them I, up. I hate to Very dangerous. Yes, absolutely. But, yeah, that was a good point that that, that gentleman, per, and I'm so glad he had a good experience with them before the law was even passed. So mm -hmm. that, that just goes to show that this above and beyond is going to be so good for people. Mm -hmm. uh, and Charles, what, what do you think of President Obama's comments about uh, marijuana laws and prosecution? I love it. You know, you can't ask for any better than this administration, what they've done. You know, they came out in, in March when they, he was first elected and said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to spend our, our, our resources, you know, trying to do that. And, uh, in fact, you know, he put a little bit of a stop to it, it slowed down a little bit. They still did a couple of raids in, in, in California. That issue is totally different. Now, some of those people down there, because there's so many of them, are not running a, a legitimate operation. I know that, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So he has to prosecute that, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And when he came out and said, you know, we're not going to put our resources into shutting down dispensaries, legal dispensaries, mm -hmm. dispensaries that are running you know, with the law. Mm -hmm. And again, when, uh, when Eric Holder and, uh, not Eric Holder, but this last one, the Justice Department just came out um, and reiterated that same statement, saying we're not going to do this. Every time they come out and say that, it's a good thing. Right, and I think taxpayers are really hearing that when Obama says, you know, uh, we're trying to tighten the purse strings here, and we've got a lot of major issues on our hands, and this is not one of them. Yeah, and, and it shouldn't be. No. <laughs> it shouldn't be. No, no. Other than the fact that this could, you know, and, uh, and I'm serious, California knows that it's bailing them out financially, not, not totally because it's so far in the hole, but I'm sure it's helping. Mm -hmm. You know that it's helping Oakland, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, absolutely. We have another caller on the line. Uh, do we still have that call coming in? Yes. Okay, go ahead, caller. Now, well, I'm not real clear. Did he mention that marijuana, the medical marijuana cost, was, he said like 600 an ounce? 
Is that what he said? That street, that's what we're, that what it's going for here in the city of Portland right now on the street. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's awful high. Yeah, sure is. <laughs> yes, it is. But we're talking also the quality of, of the marijuana, which is a key point, too. And, and growing your own marijuana, and, and this is probably something we should speak about, is the dispensaries have control over what they're growing. When you're buying it on the street, you're buying it from somebody you have no idea how that was grown or what it was grown with. You may be ingesting something that's more harmful to yourself than, than not and still paying for it. <laughs> True. You know? I just, I just seem, that just seems awful high of cost for marijuana. Well, that's what it's going for in Portland. Believe me, I've been buying it. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, and that's, that's why it is high because I have to get the quality that I, you know, the quality has to be there. It has to be a medical, you know, Thank, Thank you, very you much. for calling. Um, yeah, I think that's also an important issue, and that is having some control over the quality. Many years ago, I used to work, I lived on Cape Cod, and I worked for an organization called HELP that had a hotline call-in line. And we used to get an awful lot of calls from people who had smoked uh, marijuana that was laced with things that shouldn't have been in there. Mm, happens it's dangerous. too often, way too often. And God forbid, you know, yeah. one of our patients get a bad batch of marijuana on top of their already right. debilitating disease. Right. You know, how are we going to deal with that? You know, we're, we're, we're telling you to, 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 you, to use this because it's, it will make you better. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole argument in the opposition is that we had no way to regulate it mm-hmm. as far as the dosage and, and what strain it was. And, all. and we really do. Mm-hmm. This is a scientific thing. These, right. these horticulturists know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. We have know? another caller on the line. Hello, this is Chris again, and I'm sorry, I don't want to dominate the conversation, but I have been working extensively on this, and so there's a couple of things I'd like to, to, to talk about. Um, you know, he just mentioned cost, and um, for those medical patients out there, I, I need them to understand a couple of things about cost structure and that sort of thing. Um, when you're pricing um, the medical cannabis, one of the things that some people are fearful of is that you create a second black market, and how that would work is, is that if you have... Um, say, uh, an ounce that you sell in your dispensary for $200 and it has a street value of $350, then what they're afraid of is that people will come into the dispensary, buy an ounce for $200, and then go and sell it on the street for $350. Um, and and that, that is a legitimate concern. And one of the, there are ways that dispensaries can work around that, and, and one of those ways is to buy the amount of cannabis that a person needs for that day. Another another thing that we can do too is we are going to have programs for people who have acute illnesses who can actually receive their medicine at an extremely low cost. So that person who called before and was like $600 an ounce in Portland is pretty pretty um, high price. I, I think that a more average price for the state of Maine is somewhere around 350 to 375 and unfortunately in this industry right now it's all a matter of who you know and the dispensary is going to really level that playing field. So at least at our dispensary, we will have um, programs that are available to people who will be able to get extremely good quality cannabis, very seriously grown medical grade cannabis for a very affordable price. That's, it's one of our safe, affordable access. These are our goals, and, and we can meet those goals. Um, and, and it's important also for people who do have illnesses and, and have notes 
that the reason they have that note really is a privacy issue between them and their doctor, and, and they don't have to disclose that to anybody. And no one should be raising an eyebrow at someone and saying, well, what does that person need it for? What does that, you know, that's really not our, our place, nor should it be. And, uh, but having said that, so the people who have acute illnesses and, and have very limited income and are struggling, uh, I just want them to know that the artist venture is going to design a way to be able to get them their medicine at whatever they can afford to pay, regardless of, of what they can afford to pay. So mm-hmm. I wanted Thank to you. put that out there. Thank well, you. I agree. I agree, and I, I, we're going to do the same thing. You know, if we can give it away, we would give it away. You know, to mm-hmm. our patients. You know. Uh, and and absolutely, I agree. You know that six hundred dollar amount that I threw out there, you know, was just because that's what I know in Portland, and it's probably not that way all over the state. I know that, but we're not going to be anywhere. We're not going to be asking patients to pay anyone near that. Well, I, yeah, I think this also brings up a whole other issue about uh, legalization, because um, as long as there is a prohibition on marijuana we're uh, creating and supporting a black market. I mean, I think the elephant in the living room here, and we haven't talked about it yet, but uh, marijuana is the number one cash crop in the state of Maine. Yeah. Uh, so I think we have to take a hard look at that. And Charles, you know that I've, I have followed the LEAP website for quite a few years now, and LEAP stands for Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. And these are law enforcement people that are strictly talking about the crime and violence involved with um, dealing on the black market. And they are totally in favor of uh, legalizing marijuana for this very reason, because they want to take the crime and violence uh, and high-cost black market elements out of, out of this whole thing. I agree. Absolutely. I agree. And just a real current local example of that is, uh, many people will um, know about that very large, extensive outdoor crop that the law enforcement agencies found. And and w- what I found interesting about that was the the current policy. And I spoke in front of the Maine Criminal Justice Committee on this on this topic. You know, I said, you know, marijuana or cannabis is a hundred million dollar industry in Maine at least. That's despite the fact that they spend $14 million a year to try and stop it. It's a $100 million industry. And, and then so, well, this, what happened in, in, in that large crop was you, you managed to do, do a massive crippling blow on Maine's economy because all those people involved in that, and there are many people involved in that industry. You have the people who cultivate it, and you have the people who have to trim it, process it, dry it. Then you have wholesalers. Then you have retailers. Sometimes you have brokers. And all of these people fit into that puzzle, and all of them derive income from it. And then whether they claim that income in their income tax, you know, some of them try to do it, but that, then that's even more of a crime because then that's called laundering. So the people who don't try to legitimize their income from it, they spend that money. They go out and buy sweaters and clothes and food. And then so the state ends up getting compensated at least in, in the sales tax capacity from that. And then, but what they did was they crushed all that local money single-handedly hurt a lot of local people while strengthening and the influence of foreign drug cartels and that see, that's what happens is, is when they when they wipe out local um, supplies then they they end up um, in strengthening illegal agencies and and one other thing I would just like to quickly say about cultivation and the people that are going to be needed to supply the dispensaries 
early on in the administration, um, Obama had said that he, he didn't particularly favor the mom-and-pop approach. And I, I think this is something that we need to talk about. If you look at L.L. Bean currently, it's the large employ, largest employer in Maine. And they're, th- they're rethinking about how they do things. They say, well, maybe instead of having a large warehouse facility where we have to have all these energy costs and we have to have rent and heat and all these computers, maybe we can have people call from home and it will be as effective. And, and I think that that's going to be radically successful. And, and I think that the mom-and-pop approach by having a lot of small private cultivators is going to be much better for the patient because it's good. they're going to be much more interested and in tune to creating a very good quality product than if Archer Daniel Midland or Monsanto or somebody like that decides they're going to come in and try to grow it on a commercial level. And, and the last thing I want to say is that some of the dispensaries, and ours included, eventually will have all of the cannabis tested so that we will be able to, and we'll have contracts with the people who provide cannabis for us that they won't use pesticides, that they won't use sulfur, that they will properly dispose of their fertilizers, that they won't, you know, so, so we're, we're really making sure that these policies are, are sound. Uh, we're looking at this, and, and these are the things that, that need to be done, and, and we need to do them. Um, and so that's, that's what I wanted to add about that. Thank, thank you, Chris. I, I think those are very, very important points. And I would um, uh, say to listeners, uh, please do go on the LEAP website. Um, these are, retired, for the most part, retired uh, law enforcement officers, people from the FBI, and they're saying just from a financial and legal point of view, the war on drugs has never worked. We've thrown a trillion dollars down the drain and gained absolutely nothing from it except putting a lot of people in prison who didn't do anything. They didn't commit any violent crimes, and taxpayers have paid all of this money. So these people also um, go around and speak at local rotary clubs. They're very mainstream people. Walter Cronkite is an advocate. You know, he's on Leap website too. So I think uh, this is this is the elephant in the living room that we also have to look at. We have another caller on the line. Go ahead. Hi, I'm from Stonington and I'm speaking to you as a former cancer patient who suffered excruciating pain that was beyond everything that was medically available to me. I don't know that uh, marijuana would have helped me but um, for other cancer patients facing or other people with disabilities that present pain beyond current medication. We should make it simple so you can just get a prescription and get a safe drug. And that's what I want for all cancer patients. Thank you. Thank you so much for that comment. Thank you. Well, I think what we're really talking about is that there are no good guys and bad guys here. What we're really looking at is good care for our patients and people in Maine so they can get good care without fear of any kind of prosecution at a reasonable reasonable cost. Yes, and the compassion issue is, is compassion. what Maine is all about. Yes. Maine is, Maine is highly compassionate about yes. their sick, their ill, and their, their elderly and, and everybody. That's why I live here. That's why I love it. Okay. Yes, and I, I love the idea of the mom-and-pop thing because we have a lot of small businesses in Maine that contribute to the economy, and people want to do things uh, safely. They want to do things legally and above board for the benefit of everyone. Yes. 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 And, and, you know, and the other issue is that we will be able to. This law uh, allows us to deliver to patients. Mm-hmm. 
So that's a key point also. If a patient can't get out, which most of them can't, right. or don't have a caregiver to be able to transport it for them, we will be able to do that for them. Right. But, and I think to keep in perspective, too, we are talking about a medication here, and there are many, many medications that are prescription medications. I know that a few years ago, um, I met a woman who is a pharmacist. She's actually a pharmacist in a Walmart down in Florida. And she said to me, really, uh, anything that is any kind of drug, marijuana, anything else on the street is, is nothing compared to the abuse of prescription drugs. She said that is the major problem in this country. Um, so we do have another caller on the line. Would you like to go ahead? We have that caller. Well, I think we need to look at all of these issues uh, and look at them in perspective with a compassionate uh, point of view. Okay, caller, would you like to go ahead? I'm trying to reach an owner or a manager, please. Okay, this is a call-in show, so maybe you have the wrong number. We're going to go ahead. This is a show about patient access to medical marijuana. Okay. Um, uh, Charles, would you like to give your contact information again for Certainly. people who need that? The website is at asamain.org, which is spelled out A-S-A-M-A-I-N-E.org. Uh, my email is my name, Charles Wynott, last name is spelling W-Y-N-O-T-T, at yahoo.com, and that's right on the, on the web page as well. Our phone number that we can be registered in the state of Maine is 207-854-9272. Thank you. I think we have another caller coming in. Um, we have time for about one or two more questions before we wrap up, and we do want to have a little time to uh, discuss uh, wrap-up times and summarize what we've been doing. But we do have, uh, we do have time for, ooh, we have time for a couple, one more, quick. Okay. <laughs> you know, the unfortunate thing about all this is, once again, it's putting our health in the hands of doctors instead of ourselves. What we want, the people on the street, is we want this medication available for stress, which is the biggest killer in our country. It's just ridiculous that now marijuana has joined another list of drugs that's okay for one person to have, but it's jail for another. I voted to support the medical marijuana. We helped you. You help us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling. I think that's an interesting point because also when you, you know, go on that LEAP website, what they're going to tell you is that prohibition did not work with alcohol for a number of reasons and it doesn't work with other substances as well. That doesn't mean that anyone is condoning uh, the abuse of any of those substances. They're just saying that it is not a legal question. Uh, we have, do we have time? No, I'm sorry. We probably, Charles, we should probably do another show. You've been wonderful. I would be, I'd love to. This uh, has been very informative, and I'm sure we would get a large response from the patients. Okay, so thank you all for joining us. This has been Healthy Options with Andre Bella. Thank you very much, and tune in next month.